Okay, so Shalom Ubracha. We're uh, continuing a little bit to finish up some uh, patches that still we can try to close in the Tikkun HaKlavi. Rabbeinu in Sichot Haran, Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, it's the famous Sicha on the Tikkun HaKlavi, which is Kuf Mim Aleph 141, paragraph 141. And also in other places, like for example, at the end of uh, the book Sipur Masiot, you have Hashmatot, you have addendums at the end of, of the Sipur Masiot. He stresses that when a person has to say the Tikkun HaKlavi because of a begam, a blemish, he said in Yiddish, the Ersht is Mikveh. The first thing is to go to the Mikveh. And he said a person shouldn't wait, shouldn't say I'll go later on, as soon as you have an opportunity to go to the Mikveh first. So... And then he said, the tikkun, even if you can say that, if it's, even if we're going to the mikveh, the tikkun akali still does its job. Still, he says, it's better to go to the mikveh first. What's this thing about the mikveh that it adds? So Rav Nosin opens us up a little. We spoke about it a little bit last week, but there's more depth from Rav Nosin in the Kut Halachot, in Hilchot Mikvaot, Halacha Aleph, paragraph number two. So based on that, he also says other places, but the point comes out is like this is that the klipot created by man, it's funny. We spoke last week that the damage is caused by heat, fire, and water, liquid. That was the, 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 the generation of the flood. That was why they were punished, punished with boiling hot water, sulfur water. And the result of the pegam is in the air. That's why the klipot are called ruchin v'shedin. They're called ruchin. They're called spirits. Because that's their domain. The domain that is affected is the air. What we spoke about last week, the inyan of the air. Because the air is what's in between everything else. It's what keeps alive the fire and the water is there's the air. You need the air, the oxygen, right? Even in the water there's oxygen. There's carbon dioxide and whatever. There's water. The water is what keeps everything in harmony. We said last week that fire and water are opposites. They can't exist together. That's why a person... He falls when there's fire and water because they're both trying to eat him up and also eat each other up. So a person has chas shalom esh and then he has fire. In lesson 19, Rabbeinu says the tikkun is lashon kodesh. Cham libi bekirbi bahagigi tivar esh dibar tibishoni. Cham libi bekirbi, my heart is heated up chas shalom pertava, right? Bahagigi, and when I just think, try to think good thoughts, Tivar Esh, there's a fire. What's the tikkun? He says, The way to calm down is Lashon HaKodesh. Okay, calming down is through speech, air. The, the faculty, the element of air, which is in the, in the speech, right? So the, the air is what keeps the balance. Specifically because of that, the blemish caused is in the air also. The spirits, the evil spirits, the klipot, they're in the Indian of the air. So Vnosin says, this is why Rabbi Nachman stressed that person should go to the mikveh first, and why it's important, why this is, pri- this is priority. Rav Chaim Kramer brings this, by the way, in his notes in the BRI edition of the Kutimaran on Lesson 92. He says like this, that when a person has a, does the blemish, the klipot attach themselves to him. And there are spirits, there are air, but around him. When a person goes to the mikveh, there's no air. He can't breathe in and out. There's no intake and outtake of air. What's inside of him stays inside. But that's not considered air because air definition is fresh air. In, out, in, out. When a person's in the mikveh, the klipot don't go in the mikveh with him. They stay out. They don't go with him. They detach. 
More than this, Rav Nosson says, is that when a person goes to the mikveh, and there's an inyan, Rabbi Nachman says in the Aleph Bed book, Sefer Midot, to stay under the water. Staying under the water and, and holding your breath to the maximum until you can't anymore. He says, this is mamtik dinim. This mitigates, mitigates harsh judgments, okay? So he says that when a person does that, Rav Nosson says, the person is now nullifying himself totally. Because the person's key to life is air. And by stopping the air, for the sake of Hashem, he's in the, why in the mikveh? I can take a shower, I go to the mikveh because I'm doing it for the, for the purpose of coming close to Hashem. When a person goes under the water, holds his breath, in a way it's like a bitul, it's a nullification, so that when a person comes out of the mikveh, he's literally born again, fresh, totally new, totally new. The disciple, Rav Nosson once he explained that the word itself for mikveh means hope. And he brings a proof, I think it's from Divra Yamim or the book Ezra or Nehemiah, I forget which sefer, that when Ezra came to bring the Jews from Babel back to Eretz Yisrael, they were so in despair because they had, the majority of them had married Goyim, Goyot, intermarried, and they thought for sure there's no hope for them, Hashem doesn't want them anymore. And, and they asked Ezra, you're telling us to come back, is there hope? And the, the Pasuk says, I'm Yesh, Mikveh. And Rav Nosson points out, the translation is hope. They should have used the word Tikva, because the word for hope is Vatav, Tikva. How come the verse says, is there Mikveh? They should have said, is there Tikva? Is there hope for us? What do they use the word for Mikveh? To mean hope. So Rav Nosson points out from here, that from here you see that the word mikveh is the same root for the word for hope, tikva. And he says something unbelievable, Rav Nosson. A person can be shalom, as bad as he is, as blemished as he is, as upside down as he is. However, if such a person is very consistent to going to the mikveh, even though he's ups and downs, and he wants to become a better Jew, he wants to change. If such a person is consistent with going to the mikveh, this person will definitely, Rav Nosson's wording is very strong, will definitely come out of this world clean. <laughs> you say to yourself, I see people going to the mikveh 20, 20, 30, 40 years, I don't see their changes. You have to wait. <laughs> Patience, the person is still alive. And you don't know who he is, you don't know what he's going through, you don't know what's happened to him, but on you yourself, you have to have patience on yourself, Bezat Hashem, that the day will come. The mikveh can mamash, right, clean a person, totally clean, because of this thing, that it makes a person totally new. I have a nice insight on the side, which is a bit funny. It's an insight that because of all this, it's very important that a person go in the mikveh and get out ASAP. Yeah, unfortunately, many people, their daily shmooze is in the mikveh. They come to the mikveh to sit down like in a sauna, and they're speaking to their friends in the mikveh. What's the, what's the insight? If now, when a person goes into the mikveh, all the klipo, they don't go in with them, that means above the mikveh, the air space above the mikveh is where all the klipot are. If now I spend a lot of time in the mikveh, they're schmoozing and everything, so the klipot of other people, plus mine, they just go back. If I'm still wasting my time there, they go back into the person. That's why they, it's, a, it's a proper conduct. And I saw all the people that I saw in Breslov, the Ovdi Hashem, they didn't waste a second in the mikveh. In and out. I know some people, they can do it in three minutes. They get undressed, mikveh, out in three minutes. I don't know how they do it. Three minutes, top. Today it's harder because you need to take a shower and this, and we're very Easternist, we're very, we're delicate, you know. There's the, the chlorine water, the dirt, the, the water. They have a joke about the mikveh and me'asharim. In mikveh and me'asharim, they fixed up the mikveh. So you have two old, old, old uh, Yerushalmi me'asharim Jews. 
when they fix the mikveh in, in Me'asharim, one says to the, no, what do you think about the new mikveh? And he said, ich, there's no smell, there's no taste, what is this? <laughs> right? In other words, that's the mikveh, that it stinks. It's, so because of that, we're not used to this, and it's very, we're delicate. They put tons of chlorine in everything, so some people have to wash after, before, whatever. So it can't be three minutes necessarily. But we know it's not a place to schmooze. It's not a place to talk. Because yes, like Rav Nassim says, the klipot are there. There's klipot in the air. That's their place. They just left you. So going back, Rabbi Nachman, he said, the ershte is mikveh. The first thing is to go to the mikveh. Why? Because there's two levels of damage by the klipot, the evil forces. There's the immediate damage on the person that they attach themselves to the person. That has to be taken care of ASAP. That's what the mikveh does. The mikveh gets a severing of the klipot from me. If I, a person, God forbid, did a blemish, so the klipot are on him, on his body, his air, if you want to say. So by him going to the mikveh, it severs their grasp on him. But the second stage of them becoming demons, mazike alma, that has to be taken care of. That's the tikkun aklali. That's what the tikkun aklali does. It extract, extracts them from the other side. They're either demons now. We don't want, we, they're, in the, they're in the domain of the klipa, L-I-L-I-T-H. We want to get, a, get them out of there. And that's what the tikkun aklali does. But he understand what the mikveh does. It, it severs the klipot totally. This is why it's so powerful, the idea of a mikveh. They had breast livers. There was one famous breast livers. It was Rav Nashke Tulchiner. Whenever there was a problem, he would go. He had the key to the mikveh. If <laughs> there was something, there was a shalom bite problem, you'd go to the mikveh. There was something with lack of money, you'd go to the mikveh. Somebody was sick, you'd go to the mikveh. His wife, <coughs> she uh, dealt with contraband. At the time in, in communist Russia, it was so hard to live and survive being honest because they made it impossible. If you tried to be honest, you would die. You would starve or you'd be killed, whatever. So you had no choice but to find ways around the government system to survive. That they, that they purposely made it impossible, the communists, okay? So Rav Nashke's wife, and she lived in Tulchim, she was involved in smuggling items which are illegal to have in Russia. Or you, you can get them, but they're very expensive and you have to buy them in Russia. Or they smuggled them from Poland into Russia and sold it for much cheaper items that people needed. So the word got out that she was doing this, okay? And what happened was... She heard that they're coming to investigate her house, the KGB, where they're called the NKVD. So she quickly hid everything in the attic. All the merchandise that she had when people would come to buy, she couldn't run every second to the attic. So they kept them in many places available. When customers would come, they would have them ready. So when she heard that they're coming to check out her house, she couldn't think of a better place. So she put all the merchandise in the attic. And of Nashka Tulchiner, when he heard this happening, the first thing came to head, I'm going to the mikveh. Because Rabbi Nachman says, going to the mikveh and staying under the water mitigates the harsh judgment. So, he went to the mikveh. While he was in the mikveh, the NKVD came looking for, for this, the, the merchandise. And they were about to climb the ladder to go to the attic. And the, there was a few of them, a few of these, uh, and these uh, investigators, these uh, secret police, whatever. So, one tells the other one, hey, hey, we just got word that her husband is in the mikveh and there's a word that he, they're hiding the merchandise in the mikveh. Let's go. So she, they're about to climb up the ladder and they say, well, it's not here then. So let's go. So they left to go look for him in the mikveh to see where the merchandise is. And that way she was able 
afterwards take it down, hide it somewhere else, so if they came back, it wasn't there anymore. That's how Boch Hashem able to get out of it. So they would tell this story to say that he was saved by the mikveh, his wife was saved by the mikveh, and that's what the mikveh does. The mikveh is something very, very powerful, and it's very, very, you know, takif. They say in Breslev, right, we have uh, six rules. Like a mem- if a person wants a membership card to, to Breslev, it's, it's six rules, basically. Three from Rabbeinu, and three from the Breslevers, they say from Rav Nosen. The three from Rabbeinu is obviously to learn halacha every day, to, to do it body do it every day, and to be in Uma and Rosh Hashanah every year. And the three from the Breslever Hasidim is to put on Rabbeinu Tam Tfilin every day that you put on Tfilin, to say Tikkun Akali every day, and to go to the Mikveh every day also. That's another third devotion. It's not written anywhere to go to the Mikveh every day, but again, it's such a, it's, a, it's like Rav Rosenfeld would say in one of the Shirin. It's not one of the 613 mitzvot, but it's a kli to be able to do all the other 613 mitzvot. That's what the mikveh does to a person. It's so, so powerful. There's a story that uh, when Rav Isra Zalman Meltzer, maybe you heard the story from me before, I don't know. Rav Isra Zalman Meltzer, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Slabotka, he came to Eretz Yisrael and became the Rosh Hashiva of Etz Chaim Yeshiva, this world famous Yeshiva. And he was a super duper Litvak, Litvak you can imagine, right? Rav Isra Zalman Meltzer. When he came to Yerushalayim, and he found out that the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim, Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, was going to the mikveh every day. And Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld was from Pressburg. He wasn't from a Hasidic world. And he was taking on these Hasidic devotions. So Rav Yosef Zalman Meltzer said, what is this? You're going to the mikveh every day. You become a Hasid? This is the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim for everybody. You're going to become like a Hasid? So he answered him with just svara, with a logical point. He said, imagine, if a mikveh, is the final point that can transform a goy into a Jew. So just imagine what it can do to a Jew himself already. If it can transform a goy to a yid, so just imagine what it can do for a yid already who's already a yid. So the word, the tradition is, this is an oral, this is something people don't know about, is when he heard this, he accepted that and he himself started to go to the mikveh every day. Rabbi Zalman Meltzer, when he started to go to the mikveh every day also, when he heard, he accepted this idea and he said, this makes a lot of sense. He understood, forget about now politics and everything, this makes sense, this is Emmet. And he started going to the mikveh every day also. But here we see again, Rabbeinu stresses how powerful it is to go to the mikveh and why it comes before the tikkun haklali. It's not instead of the tikkun haklali, and he said it's best to do it because it makes the job much easier. Because when you have klipot detached from you, you have more room to breathe and more, more ability to, to, to do things. Many people would say the mikveh gets people sick and everything, and we never saw anyone dying from going to the mikveh. There were some people who did such mesirat nefesh to go to the mikveh. The Rabbi Chaim Rosen, who, who built the yeshiva, the, the shul in Masharim, he once had a surgery on his head, and the doctors warned him, no water, no mikveh for sure. And even so, he did Mesirat Nefesh. We can't tell everyone to do this. But he had like stitches, open stitches, whatever. And he went to the mikveh, the conditions back then, before chlorine and everything, all the garbage and people, and no showers for a week, whatever, wherever, however they were back then. And he went to the mikveh with his stitches, and he would say, the mikveh eno mazik. Rabbeinu also, and in Sichot Aran, also said, the mikveh does not cause damage. Anyone who says that the mikveh causes damage, he's not a doctor, he doesn't know his refuot, okay? So this is the idea of the mikveh, why it's prerequisite, because it shares the same 
power similar to the Tikkun HaKlali, but on a much smaller level, on a personal level. And plus, what Rav Nosen says, it gives a person hope. This is why it's so important, it's so, it's so chashuv to have the mikveh in a person's pocket when he leaves this world, because it's something which gives him that, that strength. That's basically what I have to give today over today. Yeah. I'm wondering, it's written from Rav Nasichas that in a day that you don't say Tachna, right. you should be more, more careful not to go to the mikveh, right? Yeah. So, right. I'm wondering why. why? What's yes, the connection between no Tachanun and going to the mikveh, making an effort to go to the mikveh? It's something I, 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 I thought about but never really Maybe the went Tachna kills the demons. But yeah, so, so it's now more. You don't have a tachna, so that's why it should be more active. It's doing it instead. It's killing the. There's no dinim on that day. That's the whole thing. Tachanun kill is, is if when there's dinim. Okay, so there's no dinim adra, but you should, you should say, he should have said, Rabbi Naman, go to make sure to make on days that you do say tachanun. Lichora. The opposite. kills the demons. I, I don't know if it kills it. Chatati, abiti, pashati. It's over Leo that. Yeah. His wife made sure and she said, Yeah. He, he shouldn't say Tachanun because it was like his brother in law was her. I remember the story. Her blazer. Her blazer been Tachanun? Well, they, they did say Tachanun? So he made sure not to say. And then once he said. And it was Mam Tigdinim? It was. No. He died. He passed away from saying the Vidui. Right. We'll have to look into it. I can, I can give Chidushim, but if I didn't learn into it, uh, we'll have to look into that Bezatashim. But again, the point is the mikveh does its job. And it's again with air. The goal of the tikkun aklali is kol haneshima. Kol haneshama ta'alelka. That's the tikkun. The tikkun is that the air should be cleaned. That's the, our goal. And this is why also again, Rabbi Nachman says the main thing that's going to push a person more than anything else to come close to Hashem is hitboridut. Is articulation, speech, in the air. This is what gets a person cleaned, cleansed more than anything else. A person sometimes thinks... He should do this segula, he should do this, this tikkun, that. Ultimately, it's prayer. It's the prayer. I just saw a story recently that there was a, there was a, a big rav who, it was a big chidush, and that for the checking the chametz on the night of Erev Pesach, he would stay up all night checking every single corner that there shouldn't be even a trace, okay? And there was a, a tzaddik in Yerushalayim. He heard about this. And he said that his father had a different approach. His father would do bidikat chametz like the halacha requires, very simply. The house has been cleaned already. We're only human beings, we're not angels. He would clean the house like every Jewish family does and put the 10 pieces and check the house. And then he would go to the kotel to say the whole book of Tehillim, asking Hashem to be saved from chametz. So he said the davening, more than anything else, is what's going to get things moving in life. This also Rav Nosen says, I think it's in the Kutei Etzot or in the Kutei Alachot. It's a very famous Rav Nosen, and that it's in the Kutei Alachot. And it's also in the Likutei Moran itself. What am I saying? He says that Rabbi Nachman and the Tzadikim, they reveal many advice, many advices, a lot of Etzot. But the advice itself is very hard to fulfill. And even if you're doing the advice, it may not activate it because you're not yet ready for the advice to take effect. However, there's one advice that's the key to open, it's a mafteach to open all the other etzot, and that's the advice of Hidboridut and talking to Hashem. When using the air to express, this cleans more than anything else, this gets things moving 
more than anything else. This is why it's a valuable, probably the most valuable thing we have from Rabbeinu and Rav Nosin is Lasot Mitorot Tilo, to turn the Torah lessons into prayers, to daven about what we're learning. We're learning things, but now to bridge between theory and practice, we need a lot of Idbodedut, a lot of prayer for this to take place. We can learn and speak about ideas, and it's amazing. People go to classes, they listen and everything. A year later, where are they holding? It's like, what happened to what you heard? You were so inspired a year ago, and it fell off. What's the follow-up to everything a person learns? It's tefillah. It has to be. Tefillah is what guarantees that eventually there will be a, a bridge, a solid bridge, for this to take place. And if it didn't happen, like Rav Nosson says, or you didn't daven about it at all, or you didn't daven enough, but that's it. That's it. That's like, you know, the challenges people say, you're trying to lose weight for 20, 30, 40 years. You're trying to do this, trying to cut. And they say, you didn't try enough. You didn't try enough. And you say, I, I, I tried as best I can. You know, you didn't try enough. So what can I do? I can want to try. I can express the wanting and yearning in prayer. That I, Hashem helped me to do this. This is what gets a person more than anything else to advance in life. People, of course, they want fix, quick fixes. They want a button to press. Everything should fix up. And if that's not, but that's, we, know, we know from experience that's not how life works. Life works the hard way, the long way, but the sure way, which is tefillah every day. He says, Rav Nosin, he says a few places, that every word that a person says, it's kept on the side, kept on the side, and it's adding up, adding up, adding up, until that moment comes where a person really needs the breakthrough in life. Everything there on the add up is now boom, coming to his salvation when he really needs it, Bezat Hashem. Why didn't happen before? <laughs> what do you want? Hashem's chashbonot. But it's not ready yet. Not, not enough davening yet. For whatever reason, the situation you, 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 you require requires 20,000 prayers and you have only 18,000. What can you do? That's Hashem, Hashem's calculations. And sometimes you have, like in, in the game Monopoly, you have snakes and ladders, sorry, where you can go up Two floors, they give you, you know, a push forward. You get, sometimes you can lose. You can lose two floors, whatever. But th that's how it is in life that a person should keep on davening, move the lips, because they keep on causing good. There's a lot, of, a lot of addition and addition and addition. And eventually they make the change. People say, oh, I, I gave up. I tried and tried and tried. So we say, Kabel Hashem, Chazak Hashem. Like Rav Nosson says, Rav Rabbeinu, Quoting Rashi, he says, and if you see Hashem didn't answer and come your salvation, so Kavel Hashem, Bekavel, you have to keep on turning to Hashem and keep on davening until the door opens. I always hear this from people, but I'm davening, I'm davening 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So we tell them, or you don't know how to daven. You think you're davening and you're not really what davening is. And in most people's cases, that's the case. They think davening is to open to him, say some kapitlich, and that's it. But davening is you talking from the heart. How much of that do you do? People say, I do that, I do that. When you, and you, when you find out at the end of the day, they maybe do five, ten minutes, maybe. Maybe one minute. But this is what gets a person moving more than anything else, is his heartbreaking, open prayers. This is what gets a person moving. So again, we get back to the idea of air. Air, tefillah, is the idea of using the air for speech. These words is the tikkun, Rabbi Nachman applies to tikkun aklali. And also for everything else. This is the key for everything, everything else. They say the most important book in Breslev, by the way, you would think is Likutei Moran. The most important book they say in Breslev is Likutei Tfilot, Rav Nosson's Prayers. It's the one book that Rav Nosson said 
that for every day that we don't say them, a person is going to have to give a din mecheshbon, give an accounting. What's so much noise of the kutei tefillah? But you have the kutei moran, you have Rav Nosson the kutei alachot. Even though Rav Nachman said later on, this applies also to Rav Nosson the kutei alachot. Still, Rav Nosson himself only said the kutei tefillah. He said these prayers. If a person is going to give an accounting for every day he didn't say them. What's going on? Because these prayers, they're so powerful in getting a person to open up his heart. Rahmana liba ba'e Hashem wants the heart. Because the heart is, again, using the air. It's pumping in fresh blood with oxygen from the lungs, right? That's, again, using the air. When the, the heart uses the air to express itself, this is the usage of the air, again, to clear, to cleanse and purify the air. Everything is involving in air. That's the main tikkun of us Jews. It's tefillah, prayer, speech, articulation into the, into the air to fix the airwaves. This is how we can understand Rabbi Nachman's tikkun akali, that it's speech, that's the tikkun, and the mikveh, which is holding back the air. There's no air, I'm in the water now. I put my air source, cut it, put it in the water, and it's starting again to rebreathe again. Our avodah is... To fixing the air. And they always say, you know, relax, take a deep breath. That is a Torah idea that a person is about to sin and fall apart. So they tell him to take a breath. I have a question on this because in lesson 22, Rabbi Nachman quotes the Zohar that on what did the, the act of the golden calf succeed is because Aharon took the gold directly from their hands. Of the of the air of Rav, of the men, the men took off the gold from themselves and gave it directly to Aaron, and Aaron took it to make the golden calf. The Zohar says, if when he took the gold, he would have thrown it on the earth, and then picked it up, the throwing it on the earth would have broken the transmission of bad energy from the men who wanted to do Davodazara. It wouldn't have continued into the hands of Aaron because we would drop it to the earth. The earth, like, a, like you know, in a, it's called grounding in, a, in electricity. There's the laws of electricity that you, you have to ground something in order to, to stop the electric uh, flow. You have to ground it. It has to be grounded, right? You get an electric shock because something is not grounded. So what do you do? You ground it. That's the term in, in, uh, in electricity, in the, in the laws of science of electricity. So if he would have thrown it onto the earth and then picked it up, so then it wouldn't have... So the question is, we're speaking about air doing that. Air is what in, is esh, ruach, mine. You have fire on one side, the element of fire, water, and you need the air to break their, their connection and they're working together to, to, to breathe, to take a breath of fresh air. Here though, by Aaron, it was throwing it to the earth. Yeah, afar, what's going on here? What is the afar? Why did like the Zortas, if Aaron would have taken a breath of fresh air when he got the, the gold, and then make the... the if we had Yishuvadat, like what's... It's saying Afar and not air. That's what's the question where, where I'm having here. Based on this Chidush that we're building, so there's a, there's a Ma'ala for Afar. It's a, it's a question. I don't have the answer. Just uh, I'm bringing it up the point. In Lesson 70 there speaks about Afar and The gravity. Okay. And so, Nafkamina, would it be better to do something which is connected to Afar than with Avir, based on that? In other words, we're speaking a lot about air, but it makes it sound like the Tikkun is of Afar. So that's the case. I, would sh- I should look more 
for doing a devotion that doesn't involve air, like speech and tefillah and tikkun aklali and mikveh and no, no air, something that involves more with afar? That's a question. Actually, it's both, because the afar is a tzaddik, and the tzaddik tells us to do the tikkun aklali, the air. The emunah and tzaddikim. The emunah and tzaddikim is the afar. So there's, there's, there's room to develop these ideas, Bezat Hashem, to be continued, Bezat Hashem. We can't do the, you know, if you say the Tikkun without the Kashras, it doesn't work. Uh, I don't and know. It does work. You're going to say, like, if you say, it's not the fact that someone is saying it that shows that he has emunah already. That's it. That's why the Rav Afraimel wrote, Rav Afraimel on the Shabbat, he says, someone is already saying the Tikkun Aklali that shows that he has minimal emunah tzaddikim. Because yeah. if that's the case, why is he saying it? If he doesn't have, he would say, ah, I don't need this. I have my tzaddikim. I have my tikkunim. I don't need this. What do you like? And especially, the Rebbe says that it's just spread for him. And even not say his name. Yeah. He said himself <laughs> that even if if without saying my name, it'll it'll do the job. So, but people do say it because they have some emunah and the people telling them to do so. Yeah. There's a, there is an emunah factor which is afar behind the behind the scenes. So there's afar. Okay, to be developed. It has to have to be mechadish the mechaded the chiddush. All right. We'll stop here for now, and we should be zochia the kaim zayin to fulfill everything. Amen.